Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right. Hello. We're going live. We're going well, to Russia. It's not quite live. I mean, for us, it's live because we're doing this in real time. Yeah, we're here right now. For those of you listening, this is uh, this is a recording of our us being live. I, you know, I got a I got a good question about that. They what? call it Saturday Night Live. You know, isn't it recorded like earlier in the night? They always yeah. It's like previously recorded on Wednesday. So it's not what it's not tech. It, we're as live as Saturday Night Live. I is. didn't realize it was recorded on Wednesdays. I well, I, I know it used to be. I don't know if they That's they might fucked. change the date. That's terrible. But if they can call themselves a live broadcast, then so can we because we do the same thing. We do it all in one take. Yeah. And if we stumble or we mess up, we just we guess recover. what? Guess what? It stays in. Yeah, that's what you might notice. Like, uh, mostly, I catch myself doing this a lot. I'll say words that I'm pretty sure don't mean anything to what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I'll I'll just say the wrong word a lot. But, you guys catch it. You're good at catching it, but sometimes it's just the wrong word. Yeah, and I I think that that adds some character to our show because we we just we kind of go for it. We just do it. You know what? Here we are. We are starting a cult. That's Granum Jake. Yeah, that's true. We're going for it right now. Inside look at the show's uh, recording sessions. Uh, really, the only time we ever stop, we used to stop if like someone would come in the door, but it, it seems to happen so often that we kind of just roll with it now. Yeah, we got in and out, in and out all day. We come just kind of roll with it. So like when shows say like, "Oh, we have an open door policy," we quite literally do because anyone that walks yeah. in the door. You're right by us, so you're going to see us, and you're more than welcome to just kind of hop on and just say, hey, what's going on? Oh, yeah, here? what was it, like the, the torture episode? Georgie just showed up. Yeah, I he didn't just showed up. He just walked right a, in. That was the first time we'd seen him in, like, over a month. It was crazy. But, yeah, so it's we do those things. Uh, really, the only time we stop is uh, we have, like, audio issues. Uh, if I catch something while I'm looking at the screen, typically... This is how I do things, right? I shouldn't tell the audience. But <laughs> well, you're anyway. at the helm. I'm. I just sit here and wait for you to talk, and then I'm like, "Oh, we're starting." I literally, even right now, as I'm speaking, I don't. It's not that I don't like looking at him. Jake's a handsome man, but I typically just stare at the screen because I watch the recording. I just watch it go no, very makes slowly, sense. and because yeah. we always seem to have some type of problem where it doesn't work, so I just keep my eyes on it like the whole time. No, oh, yeah. And that, makes, that makes sense. It seems to work for us. I haven't noticed any audio issues lately, so we're doing well. At least I think we're doing front. well, yeah. yeah. But uh, with that being said, it is Friday, anyway, so yeah. we are back for a fresh new episode. Fresh, hot, seething episode. And th- see, this is, this is a, a topic that kind of came into our, I guess you call it, atmosphere of knowledge. Um relatively recently at least to the level that we're going to discuss it today um it doesn't you know just from the title you might be like oh lake bacall or Baikal, or however you prefer to pronounce it that's going to just say bacall bacall but know? you might say well what's the deal with this lake why is this an, it's a, it, 
Let me tell you this. There's so much shit about this lake. There is some really weird, potentially extraterrestrial slash maybe paranormal or maybe even just strange natural phenomena that happens at this lake. On top of the fact that it is arguably one of the most interesting things I've ever researched in my life. It's pretty crazy. It just it hides so many secrets. It is just like a really, really interesting lake. So we were traveling to Russia, okay? The border of Russia, and I believe it's Mongolia, uh, kind of gets close yeah. up in there. Um, there lies the largest freshwater lake in the world by volume, Lake Bacall, sometimes known as the Pearl of Siberia. That's just the a pearl, cool huh? yeah. little name, I guess. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, Lake Bacall holds 22 to 23% of all of the fresh drinkable water on Earth that is not frozen in ice caps. Isn't that fucking crazy? So, just for the sake of... We could say more than one-fifth of all the drinkable water we have on this planet is stored in one single lake in Russia. Yeah. It's that huge. It's that big, and it's apparently it's the seventh largest by surface area. Mm-hmm. That's cool, but it's it's the deepest lake in the world. Yes, that it's it like is. It's like 1,642 meters, which is like five 5,387 feet. It's crazy. And it's yes. like 25, 30 million years old, something like that. Yeah. It's the it's oldest shit. Lake Baikal, it holds... More water, for those of you uh, in North America here in uh, the United States, Lake Bacall can hold more water than all of the Great Lakes combined. Uh, that is how deep and wide this lake is. Dude, it's you bigger... can dump all of that into one pool, you know? Dude, and it's bigger than Belgium, mm-hmm. the, the there, country. There is an island uh, in Lake Bacall, uh, interestingly enough, where there... There are groups of indigenous people that live on uh, this island in Lake Bacall. And the island itself is five times larger than the size of Manhattan. And that's just an island inside of this lake. Uh, That is how deep it is. So as we said, as Jake mentioned earlier, uh, the depth of this lake reaches 5,387 feet. It's deep as fuck. It's too deep, arguably. That is crazy. Um, Dude. It holds some of the clearest water in the world. And at times, uh, if you go on the right day and the right time, you could see 150 feet deep into the water. What? How fucking scary (laughs) is that? That's crazy. And that also translates to the ice. The, uh, The ice, you can't see that deep. But the ice, when it freezes, it it still is clear in most parts of the lake. Yeah, most parts, I should say. Most parts, not every part. There, uh... dude. The lake is growing too. It's a growing boy. Yes, it yeah. is. That's, it's that's, it's that located is. on a rift valley, the the Bacall Rift Zone or whatever, mm-hmm. and it, it pulls apart by two centimeters a year. Indeed. So it's just ever expanding. It's a. It's, it needs its nutrients. It does. It's, uh, yeah, and they, I don't, I'm not much of a, I, would that be geology, I guess? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, probably. I, I don't really understand, but in terms of scientific study, uh, it is a relatively young rift valley, and uh, they see plenty, 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 plenty of seismic activity. Um, interestingly enough, it, this was back in the 1800s, Previous to the use of the Richter scale, uh, it, it is believed that in the Bacall Rift Valley, there was a magnitude 10 earthquake because Jesus. it leveled 77 straight miles of land, destroyed thousands of homes, and it pretty much just created this giant basin where people used to live. Get out of there, I get Jesus Christ, dude. Seventy seven miles from an, a single earthquake? Yeah, it was it was fucking wild. That's it's too too get out of there. That's one like I that's one of those pieces of information, like I had that information, but I didn't really know where it would go in the show, so I was kinda of just like, let's just throw that in there because <laughs> I want like, them I to I gotta know. put this in. I want you guys to know that this lake it's wild. They uh it is it's said 
Uh, I've read a couple different numbers, so I don't know what exactly to believe. But there is confirmation, at least to me on the internet, that there are over 1,000 different earthquakes in that area in any given year. Um, Jesus, dude, that's like that's like roughly five or six a day. Yeah, and now you might be thinking, how does that make sense? Most of them are just very small, minute, seismic activity shakings. So you might not even particularly notice them, but they still are registered on the Richter scale. That's enough so to be convincing me not to go It there. is wild. And as we said, Lake Baikal is approximately 25 to 30 million years old. We can't really get a specific date on that, and we're eventually we might, but we have a a, a birth of you know five million years. But does it really matter? Yeah. Uh, and in 1996, uh, UNESCO claimed it as a world heritage site, and it is officially on the list of places along with uh, a list. Well, something you might like to know as uh, Easter Island and Stonehenge and all these other that was places. That's kind of nice. So it is a yeah, it's a world heritage. You site. made the cut. It did. It really did. Um, so we talked kind of about how a little bit how it, it's stretching every year. Yeah. So it's growing larger and larger. Okay. And not only that is not the only strange thing about this lake because this lake, um, it goes about one point eight miles deep, like the water. So if you're swimming, you can swim about a mile and a half down. Yeah. Now, when you reach the very bottom, you're going to reach a layer of dirt and sediment and grime and rock and all the stuff that falls to the bottom, right? Well, that thing is 4.3 miles deep until it reaches the actual bottom of the lake. So, if you take all of this into account, if you're going from the surface of the lake to the very, very bottom of the lake, it is 6 miles into the ground. So it's just a bunch of trash? Yes. A bunch of natural trash? Yeah, it's just a bunch of sediment and... Ru- and Jesus. See, what I found Well, I mean, that makes sense, though, with all the sediment. I mean, there's like 330 inflowing rivers in it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, it, there's water coming from everywhere. And so dirt coming from everywhere. Yeah, there's getting a lot of buildup. And what I... I, I, did, I guess I never really put this together, but... Uh, as you know, we call it, you know, the Pearl of Siberia. So most of the time, the water is on the colder side. Now, it's not frozen all the time. There's, you know, like the warm seasons where it melts. But even when it melts, it the water rarely climbs above, like, 40 degrees Fahrenheit, Yeah, give or take. So and it's it's cold. Yeah, it, it's always... It's right by Siberia, for it, God's sake. It's I always mean. a bit chilly. However... What I the reason I bring that up is because I'm going to talk about composting here for a minute. Okay, um, it's something that I used to do when I was younger with like my family. We used to have like a compost thing, and it was real interesting and exciting. It was like what you know, it was kind of fun. Put some worms and some trash, make some poop. Now compost, something I was completely unaware of, can generate heat. So the the way that composition works when you put, you know, poop and food and garbage into a giant pile, as these materials break down, they're going to start to heat up. And that is why it's believed that the lake can actually reach a little bit higher temperatures. That's be- kind of exciting. Because there's so much sediment that it acts as like an underwater compost that can generate this heat to kind of keep the water from Jesus. solidifying. And I, I don't know, that was weird. I guess I never really thought about that. There's so many fucking weird things about this lake, dude. There and there's it's just weird. So much stuff there. Like uh, this is this is going to open the door here for for us to kind of have a little chit-chat about this. Um so no one as I said before, no one really knows how this lake kind of came to be because if we come back to North America, we know that the Great Lakes were formed by ice sheets uh, from the Ice Age, you know? Yeah. I couldn't get that word out. Rolling down while. the mountains, flattening out the land, melting. Yeah, so these ice sheets would, you know, slowly make their way down. As they melted, they just kind of filled these holes in the land, and, you know, we have the Great Lakes. But this doesn't really fit. 
because, as we said, 25 to 30 million years ago, this would predate the last Ice Age. So this lake was in existence during the Ice Age, or the last Ice Age that we've been made aware of, I should yeah. say. So where we get these ideas of how most of our lakes are formed, this one comes before that. So we don't... It's not, When I say we, I mean the proverbial humanity. Yeah. We are unaware of what created this lake. It's like, what's with this OG lake? Other than perhaps it just being natural. It was just there. It was just there. It seems like it's always been there, dude. There's so many things that are just unique to it. Yeah. Like, it's it's host to, like, a thousand species of plants and, like, 2,500 of animals. Mm Mm-hmm. And 80% of those are endemic. Yes, Which means that they're only unique to that lake. Which eighty percent of all that shit. I think that's kind of crazy because so yeah we say we'll round it up for the sake of numbers. I, it's a little bit less than this, but we'll say four thousand. Okay, so four thousand roughly species of plant and animal life are living and thriving in this area. Yeah, because we don't really know all the species that are. It's just like the ocean. It's mm-hmm. like we don't know everything that's in there yet. And. of those are endemic, which is a word I learned when researching. I learned that, too. I didn't know that. uh, Two days ago. But, yeah, so they're only found here. That's not to say that they can't live other places, but they've never been found anywhere but in or around the Lake Bacall area. Yeah. In this basin. There's, like, normal shit. Like, you know, there's, like, plants. Like, a lot of green algae species that are found there and, like, there's like 85 different green algae species. Uh, there's like 400 different kinds of like plankton and shit, like microscopic guys. But then there's some like actually crazy shit. There's there's a freshwater seal that lives there. Oh, yeah. The Baikal or Bacal seal. It's one of the only three freshwater seal populations found in the entire world, and it's one of them's there. Okay? Fun fact. They have their own seals at this lake. You can tell people you learned about a new species of animal. The Baikal seal, or as it's called uh, there, the Nerpa. The N-E-R-P-A. The Nerpa. The Nerpa. It's your Prumanipithuin Yerpa. Yeah, it's the Nerpa. It's really close. And what's funny about the Nerpa is they're, they're adorable, obviously. They're just little they're freshwater seals. They're seals, for God's sake. But there's only two other freshwater seals that have been found in the world. And of those seals, of those other two types that are not the Nerpa, the Nerpa share no real evolutionary connection to the seal other than the fact that they're seals. So, like, the astronomical chance of seals existing anywhere happened. And then it happened again. In yeah. Lake Bacall. Yeah, and it so happened. Seals just naturally. <laughs> that's insane. They are completely rare and unique to the uh, Lake Bacall area. And some people have theorized over the years that perhaps uh, they're an evolutionary offspin of the ocean seal or just the seal. But the question, uh, it, it kind of opens the door to more questions than it does to giving you an answer. Because the closest uh, saltwater ocean is roughly 1,500 miles away. And I don't know about you guys, but seals don't walk very well, okay? No, they're very, yeah. And we no, talked they, they about don't. how they have different channels, right, to different rivers, over 300 different channels. So many inlets. But there's no actual connection to the ocean. So it's not like they swam there. And it's not like they walked there. So how did the Nerpa just appear in this strange area of the world? Maybe, yeah. I, I have no idea. It's I really interesting. Don't. Maybe it's... they were carried there by birds. Now that... That would be nice. Dude, there's over 236 like different that. species of birds. Just birds carrying little Nerpas. See, that'd be cool. I See, that's to me... That's what Jake and I were talking about this before we started the recording today. This topic, Lake Bacall, all the—I mean—we're going to get into some of the stranger things in a, even a, a officially documented Soviet report from the military. 
So we're going to get into some really cool things. The Selgits. But all of that aside, just kind of talking about the natural formation of this lake and what it is, is crazy interesting in itself. There's just so much about it. It's like learning about the ocean in like a microscopic place i don't know it's mm-hmm. it's it's a very small version of the ocean but it's there's so many aspects to it there's there's 200 different species of aquatic worms i didn't even realize did you realize this i didn't i had no idea there were species of worms either they're, they're either aquatic or they're on land in my garden well, there's aquatic th- worms there's like... 30 different leeches there's 18 different sponges all these things in this lake yeah and i mean it works because, like I said, there is a there's a group of people that live, uh, you know, in this area, the indigenous folk of the Lake Bacall area. Um, they're, I, I mean, they're pretty much uh, they're living the farm life. You know, they're sheep herders, goat herders. Uh, they got camels too, so they uh, yeah, they got all that good stuff. A lot of things like that, but um, even going back to ancient times, there's a lot of spirituality that comes from Lake Bacall. You talking about the burr yet? Uh, I'm not even talking about that yet, but we're we'll oh, go wow. right into that. I'm just, there's a lot of very weird uh, just beliefs that this is a very spiritual place, that it's not just a lake. Hmm. Um, there's actually even theories and suggestions out there that, uh, believe it or not, he comes up kind of a lot in some of these topics. Jesus might have been born in the uh. Lake Bacall area, which uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but there, there's people out there that abide by that. Yeah, so. the forbidden wizard. But yeah, so, I mean, why... I think... I'm thinking what? there's something strange about this area. Okay, It seems to be, yeah. I'm thinking... Now, let me, let me tell you this. I want to get this out of the way now. So the two biggest things that are in this water, or at least that we're aware of that are in this water, would be the nerpa, which are, you know, seals. So they're a little bit large. Nerpa. They're cute, but they're large. And then uh, the other, like the type of fish would be the sturgeon, okay? Yeah. They they can grow kind of large. Uh, maybe, like, they, the average adult is around two and a half to three feet. Yeah. And if they grow a bit larger, uh, especially the females... At most, they can top out around four to four and a half feet. So they're, Which they're, is a big fucking fish. They're, yeah, they're large fish. Yeah. But there are stories of plenty of larger swimming objects oh, in there. far larger things. And one of those would be... What, what's the name of it again? I really like the name. All right. it's I think it's Lusudkan. Which, which means uh it's like a mortal combat character it does kind of sound like that but uh <laughs> it translates to uh the master water dragon Ooh. isn't that fun oh god all right you want to let's just get into that story real quick yeah yeah Drop apparently it, there is said to be a terribly uh bloodthirsty monster living in the bottom of this lake known by the local buryat people as uh lusud khan the master water dragon uh, it's said to resemble a giant sturgeon uh, with an unusually evil muzzle. Ooh. I don't know what that necessarily means, but it sounds crazy. It's just like a, a shit-eating grin. <laughs> but like, they couldn't really say that. Just like, I got you right where I want you. It's like, he just looks like a jerk. He yeah. just has that look. And he has enormous armored scales lining its back. Indeed he... Okay. Well, supposedly. Indeed he supposedly Supposedly. Does. Uh, a lot of the physical descriptions that like come from this, uh, it actually comes from a strange image of a dragon-like creature that was discovered uh, to have been painted on an enormous boulder off the bank of Yenisi. Yenisei? Yenisi. I'm going to say Yenisi. It's like a Game of Thrones character. It does. It sounds like a character. Uh, this is where the only daughter of Bacal, Angara, once fled. Which there's some whole, there's like a whole like story behind these like, lore this lore these gods and stuff within like the briette people mm-hmm. not necessarily familiar with all that no they're but apparently this like deity's like daughter ran to the stone and now there's a huge fucking mural of this dragon-like 
terrible, crazy Sturgeon man. Yes, and some of the reports that I've seen, at least the more, like, you call them more contemporary. They're like 1800s, early, early 1900s. But some of these reports are very intriguing to me because they don't follow your typical lake monster, like, trope. Where that is, I'm out fishing, and I saw this thing jump out of the water, and it was enormous. It kind of plays into how clear the water is, because most of the reports that I'm familiar with of it, they've never seen it actually surface. They just see it underwater. There's a reason for that, too. It gets into the belief system. But here, let's get there. Let's get there. Uh, so, yeah, the, the daughter of Bacala, Angara, once fled to this stone, which now has a lot of the physical descriptions of this monster. Uh, apparently, it, it had a, a forked tongue, huge claws, armored plates again. Uh, but the Buryat Bur- Bur- people, have uh, they've been giving it, like, ritualistic offerings for, like, a long-ass time. Ooh. So, like... Like donuts? Yes, sort of maybe like donuts. Like that Simpsons episode where Homer was Godzilla and they kept putting the donuts in the ocean. <laughs> Just keep them at bay. Ooh, at bay, nice. Yeah, it's perfect. All right. That, maybe that's where it comes from. Maybe. That expression, you know, keep them at bay. Like keep them at bay. It's, it all offering. stems from Godzilla. <laughs> Maybe maybe just or, some type of sea beast. Yeah, just some sturgeon monster. I do like the word sea beast. Like <laughs> that is like the coolest thing ever. He's a sea beast. And that just is like, such a yeah. cool like name. Just the word beast has so many like cool things going on about it, but just a sea beast, it's like all oh, that's underwater. It definitely like, in the ocean you're still a beast. That's crazy. The word beast got kinda lame for a while there. Yeah, like, the the gym Yeah, the, like in the late two thousands, early twenty tens where it was like Yeah, they got hold of it. We gotta go beast mode. It's like that's no, please stop so saying just that. Just go exercise. But then those same people they moved away from the word beast and they went into the word savage. And I'm okay with that because I'd yeah. rather claim beast as a cool word. Yeah, that's especially word in the context remembered. of sea beasts with possible enormous sturgeon monsters. Oh, hell yeah. This you thing's a, a lake beast. It's not quite a sea beast, but it, it's a lake it beast. It may as well be, honestly. For sure, it's a lake beast. Yeah, and he's been around for a long ass time. To give you like an idea of how long he's been around, in the 12th and 14th century, Mongolian war- warriors would like decimate populations of like entire villages. And they would just throw the bodies into the lake as an offering to the deity. They thought it was a deity. Well, they think it it might be a deity. Who knows? It Who am I to is. say anything? But uh, they would put these like uh, entire populations of villages into the water as an offering uh, in exchange for like success in military affairs. In the 12th and 14th centuries. It seemed to work because, I mean, the, the Mongolians, they really made a dent in a lot of different places. Yeah, man, China built a whole wall. It didn't do anything. Just to try and keep them out, and it, it worked for a minute, and then I was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, but, you put doors on this thing, man. It's like, dude, come on. But then uh, in the 18th century, princes from all around the area would send, like, extravagant gifts to the coast uh of the lake, you know, to be loaded onto some special boats and sent out to the waters at night as an offering. Mm. Such as, like, cattle, fur, gems, sometimes, you know. I, yeah, I get, you know, a fair exchange, you know. Yeah, so it's been going on for a long-ass time, but it wasn't until, like, the 20th century where strange things started to happen. Like, a man was transporting livestock. Uh, this is just one instance. A man was transporting livestock across the lake one day, and what do you know? A horse fell overboard. Don't you hate it when that happens? Yeah. Uh, so, But no matter what he tried, the man couldn't get the horse back in the boat. Not 15 minutes later, people on the coast began finding the bloody and dismembered pieces of the horse floating to the surface. Ooh. Isn't okay. that terrifying? I like that. You think a nerpa can do that? No. No, no. it cannot. It no, cannot. it can't. Nerpa is all good and smiles. Um, yeah. What else we got here? Later in the century... Around the end of like World War II, people began disappearing. People, not horses. Oh, uh, he got a taste for human blood. Oh, damn right. Apparently, there were Japanese prisoners being held around like the area, and they began to go missing. And a multitude of these individuals were then discovered washed up on the beach, literally ripped in half. Yeah. 
ripped, not cut, not just ripped in half on the beach. And I'm not sure if you guys out there are that familiar with sturgeon. They're big fish. They're kind of gross looking sometimes. They're not capable of that. No. In in no. any way, shape, or form. Unless there was like maybe three of them that were trained by some type of martial arts expert. The Russians have been known to, to train some sea life to do their bidding. So, yeah, we I, I would go out on a limb. I'd be willing to sacrifice and bet my entire life savings and life on the fact that there's no possible way a sturgeon is capable of ripping somebody in half. Who knows, man? Who if you knows? can prove me wrong, maybe I, I probably won't even believe you, but I'll I'll hear you out. That's oh, all I got to no, say that about makes... the, the evil <laughs> man ripping sturgeon. All right, all right. Well, the la- it's so, it's weird, dude. This started happening in the 20th century, and then uh, the land that this all occurred on is considered by the local people to be sacred land. And so they're what? so afraid of it that they dare not even like speak in vain of it. It's it, it's forbidden to look upon it during the day. It's as like well. Skinwalker Ranch. Like they can't even look at it. You just yeah, you just act like it doesn't exist. You're not allowed to look at it. They, they still give like annual offerings of fish and meat like via the special boats, you know, yeah. uh, to the strange lake deity. But like sightings of this thing or supposed sightings of it say that it is it does look like a sturgeon and it's like 30 meters long that is... that's what sightings have said and apparently like there've been some scientific studies of like you know sonar and all that kind of stuff and there was like a moving mass that was roughly 30 meters long yeah that appeared that's crazy yeah they're and to, and to put that into perspective, uh, I mean, we talked about how deep the lake is and just the water itself, how deep that is. If that, well, let's say, you know, devil's advocate, this thing is real. Um, if that were vertical in the water, like facing the surface of the water, it would be a fraction of how deep the lake actually yeah. is. So, yeah, that, honestly, if this thing is real, this lake is perfect for it yeah no it, it is it, the perfect playground it can hide especially if it's one of those uh a fish that likes to kind of burrow or nest yeah it's got almost five miles of sediment to do that in so the world is his playground absolutely content with the lifestyle that they chose it's for true. sure dude apparently the the deity as it's known uh the deity is said to appear on the surface only at night uh which is why all sacrificial offerings are done at night Makes sense. And also, you know, you can't look at the land. It's not allowed. Yeah, you don't want to be there. You really don't want to be there at all, even if you're doing some type of ritual. Pretty much. It Apparently, uh, it makes, like, a very distinct horse. Not horse like the animal, but, like, horse, the descriptor word with an A. It kind of makes, like, a, a distinct horse noise ending with a sort of, like, a gurgling sound. And apparently the locals have come to terms with the fact that when they hear that sound, uh, at very least a few of their cattles, their cattle that are like drinking at the lake shore, are not going to make it through the night. So they like lose livestock all the time. Yeah. After hearing this noise. It yeah, you really just have to abandon all hope and just say that that's not your screw. That's you know? the end. But I, it is interesting because I uh, in 1950. Uh, there was a team of people in a nuclear sub in Lake Bacall just kind of doing some recon. I would love to be in a submarine in fresh water. It'd be weird, wouldn't For it? For some reason, that's like more comforting to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, this is a short little thing, but they do bring it up a lot when you kind of look into the mysteries of Lake Bacall. Um, they, on their sonar or their radar, whatever, I, I, I don't really know what the difference is, but... There, uh, there came a little blip, and it was a pyramid-shaped blip. And they were like, well, that's weird. This thing's really large, and it's just kind of there. And it started moving at 230 knots, or 430 kilometers per hour. So uh, that's really uh, fucking fast. In the water? It Underwater. Like, they were underwater. Um, and they were not sure how this is possible. I- don't want to go into a submarine anymore. Um, for those of you that know anything about uh, being underwater, you know that 
reaching something about 300 miles per hour, give or take, on land is very hard. I can't even fathom that. And uh, resistance, uh, water resistance, makes it much harder to do that in the water. That's why swimming is such a good workout. So, yeah, the fact that this thing was moving so quickly and it was identified by multiple people as they all saw the same thing on the radar... It really is kind of concerning. That is deeply concerning to me personally, and I'm in Indiana right now, and um, I'm afraid of that thing in Russia. Yeah, no, I agree. That's crazy. <laughs> um, so there, there's a lot of different like UFO reports, um, strange lights around Lake Bacall. Uh, there was one in, uh, I believe it was the 1950s as well, um, there was a plane crash, uh, a Russian fighter jet crash in Lake Bacall, and when they went out for the wreckage, they f- saw a massive UFO hovering above the wreckage. So, I mean, I'm I'm kind of going to. We're not going to really talk about the UFOs just because. I mean, you you, you, you can't really you can't really dispute UFOs. You know, if someone tells you they saw a UFO, you can't be like, no, you didn't. Well, I guess they it, can't identify it. They don't know what it is, you yeah, know? Yeah, you're right. And it's like... <laughs> you can't dispute it, but also you really cannot confirm it either. Oh, no, you know? So it's not. just kind of like, well, but you said that, I guess. With that being said, there are, like, thousands, like, throughout history, thousands of UFO sightings. Uh, USO sightings, unidentified submerged objects or swimming objects. Yeah. Um, things that they see in the water that are a little bit, uh, I guess as you'd call them, weird. Not uh, run-of-the-mill, not, not very ordinary. Not your everyday underwater objects. So we got tons of those, right? Um, one thing I do want to, I, I kind of, I was going to not talk about it, but I feel like you have to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and that is the Lake Bacall Ring. Okay, so this is more of a recent development. It's sort of like uh, one ring to rule them all sort of thing? There's multiple. Saruman, Um, Sauron, all that. Now, if you are standing on the uh, edge of the lake, if you're there physically, you will not notice these at all. These were only picked up by satellite images of Lake Bacall. And there are these thick black circles that are in the water. And they kind of caught these uh, through satellite images, and then it really started raising a bunch of questions. You know, what is it? Is it a is it some type of UFO? Some yeah, what's of going on here? Yeah. Alien craft. It looks very strange. It's a very thick black circle. Um, in some of these cases, the circumference can reach uh, over two miles. So... I keep forgetting how fucking big this lake is. Mm-hmm. Like, you're no, it's big. big scales, and I'm just like, what? So, like, you know, you might think, like, well, how do you not see that if it's, like, black? Well, because it's so big, if you're standing there, you're not going to see it. Or even if you do, you won't know what it is. Oh, it's whatever. Yeah. But these images, it raised so many questions. And at least as of now, according to the science that we are capable of doing, we have found that these are caused by something called eddies, okay? Eddies, like There's the people name. named Ed, like Eddie Vedder. Yeah, like did you spell it that way? Eddie Van Halen. So what this is is it's the way the temperature works in the water. So since it sits around freezing, there's always potential that the water could solidify. So when the water is frozen, especially during the colder months, it leaves these black rings, and there's these things called eddies, which they're underwater currents, and they go in circular motions. So what they've hypothesized or theorized is that these eddies are under the surface of the water, circulating warmer water, which leads to a big melted ring in the center of a sheet of ice. So this is just compost tornadoes underwater. Essentially, yeah. Wow. Now, obviously, you have to take this with a grain of salt because no one no one can agree. Some people are like, that's insane, that's not true. Freshwater lake, don't need any salt. But the truth of the matter is, as far as we're able to see and study, this does happen. It's a natural phenomenon that can happen, especially 
it's similar to how tornadoes form. It's like when a cold airstream meets a warm, moist airstream, they kind of duke it out a little bit and they start intertwining. Yeah. You know, they start swirling like the Looney Tunes. Yeah. So we, yeah, you have to kind of picture it as that, and uh, it, it definitely leaves a cool image on the mind when you see these uh, rings. Yeah, we'll probably post some pictures of these rings, right? Oh, definitely. Oh yeah, they're they're really cool looking fucking things. But I'm I'm so excited. This is this is the beef that made me want to do this topic. This is it. Yeah, because when you I'm gonna be honest, when you suggested that we cover a lake, I was like, okay, Wait, is why there something interesting about it? You're like, there's everything interesting about it, and I was like, well, I guess we're gonna do it. So yeah. I, I'm interested to know what you're about to fucking say. Now this is a very interesting story, and believe it or not, I've actually done research into a completely separate topic just so that I'm sort of aware of what I'm dealing with here. So It's called being thorough, baby. So I can kind of explain this to you in a way that you'll understand. So the year is 1982, right? Soviet divers are in Lake Bacall on a research mission. They're just kind of testing out some of their, uh, not weaponry, but testing out some of their equipment Things like that, and at the same time, investigating Lake Bacall. So they're hanging out, right? There are seven individuals that are in the gear diving. They are about 50 meters deep in the water. Uh, Everything's normal. They're just kind of doing their thing, living their life. And this is where things started going crazy. Out of the corners of their eyes, they were seeing these things swimming Fast as hell, like so fast that they were blurry. You couldn't catch like an eye of these guys. Is this going to be mermaids? Uh, did I just ruin it? No, it's not mermaids. But okay. it very well, could be. That I would don't be know. so cool. Um, but so they they see these things and they realize whatever these things are, they finally get a good sight on them because they stop moving and they kind of look, and they are humanoid figures with slick, slick skin. I mean, skinny as hell. And they're wearing these skin-tight silver suits that reflect light. What? Yeah, so they're light-reflective. But um, they don't have fins. No, 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 they do not have Damn fins. It. They're humanoid I want figures. mermaids to exist. Uh, they are three meters tall, or long, is the way they describe because they're underwater. So they're not really yeah, yeah. tall, they're more long. So they're ten feet tall, and they're swimming so fast that you like they, they could barely see these guys. But they look like people. Yeah, they look like people wearing silver (laughs) suits. That's crazy. But what really stuck out to them as strange was the fact that they had these weird uh, clear helmets on, and they were circular with no attachments to anything. So they weren't attached to anything. It was just like a big bubble on their head. Like a fishbowl? Kind of like sandy cheeks. Like that's like the image I have. Like sandy cheeks? All right. So... They have these weird things. Uh, eventually, they they uh, in the documents they guesstimated that they were swimming at roughly thirty miles per hour, give or take. It's fucking crazy. Like that's how quick they were going. <laughs> so, this is where the story gets like downright hilarious. This is where it gets <laughs> Jesus. This is where it gets downright hilarious. So, all seven of the divers surface, and they're talking to the other people that were there, uh, and they were like, you guys are not going to believe what we just saw down there. Like, this is insane. And one of them makes the great suggestion. They're like, well, what? I mean, at this, you have to understand, they're thinking that this is some type of sea creature. Like, they know what they saw, but they're like, that can't be a person, you know? It's it's some type of fish or something. So they get the bright idea. They're like, we're going to catch one. We're going to catch one of these guys. Oh, my God. They're going to catch one. To catch a 10-foot anything is crazy. Like, yeah. that's an insane idea. So, and this is this is how they do it. They do it in a very Scooby-Doo-like fashion. <laughs> they put a full turkey dinner on the side of their boat. They go back into the water with a giant net. Just a <laughs> giant net, okay? Just a massive net. And they go down there. And they station each of the guys in a different spot to hold the net so that when the thing swims by, 
It'll get stuck in the net. They can wrap it up and carry it back up to the surface. <laughs> this is like a wily e. coyote idea. So like, they're they're on mark. They're gonna get this fucking thing. They're like, we're gonna get it. We're gonna take it home with us. <laughs> um. So they get down there, and uh, they they're still down there swimming. There's a group of them. Uh, it, interestingly enough, they never really gave a number of how many they saw, but they mentioned that there are quite a few of them enough to where they're like this is weird i'm sure it's hard to keep track of them do they're just zooming around everywhere enough to where this is weird now keep in mind uh well actually let me let me go on with the story i'll come back to that so they're down there they're ready to catch these things right and then there is a crazy flash of light followed by a slight booming noise all seven of the divers are thrown out of the water. Keep in mind, they're 50 meters underneath the water. Wait, so they just, like, surface like a fucking whale? They are shot out of the water 30 feet above the surface of the lake and then back down into the water. So they are what? blasted about, I don't know, 60 meters from their area, and they are shot from 50 meters below the lake to about 10 meters above the lake. Was there in like, a matter of a second? Did like water around them also do that, or was it no, just them? Just them. They just, just them. shot out like fucking wet noodles. Just them. They shot out. That's insane. <laughs> and now this is where I had to do a little bit of research because uh, I'm not uh, obviously I'm not a diver. I'm not a <laughs> diver. Flying submariners. I don't know about that. But I felt that it was necessary to get some information for this particular episode. So. First and foremost, you might be wondering, how did they survive? Well, not all of them did. Only four of them survived because they only had one working hyperbaric chamber at the time. They didn't think they'd really need them. And there's two sides to either of this hyperbaric chamber. So they fit two dudes in, pulled them out, and then stuck the other two in. And then the other three people that didn't make it died right there on the beach. Yeah, because they couldn't get reacclimated to the, the pressure, right? Yes. So this is where I want to talk a little bit about diving. Now, if you're out there listening and you're familiar with diving, you might want to just, like, punch your phone if I do something wrong. Yeah. But I'm going to explain at least the the very layman term terminology that I understand. Yeah, or punch us in the email, startacult at gmail.com. Yeah, definitely correct us. We'll write the wrongs that we've put out there for sure. But... When you are diving, you have to take pace. You know, you have to go down a little bit, let your body acclimate to the pressure, then you can go lower, so on and so forth. It's kind of like climbing Everest, but reverse. Yeah, and that's why when surfacing, you have to do the exact same thing, or else you'll get really sick. Because what can happen is you can get the bends. I know they don't like they, they call uh, it. Ah, radio head. They call it like decompression sickness or something, I think. Yeah. Um, but pretty much what happens is when your body gets down in these pressures, the nitrogen buildup in your body be kind of slows down. So instead of moving through the bloodstream, it starts to bubble, which is fine when you're underwater. But if you come above the surface too quickly, those bubbles can't dissipate and they will kill you. You will die because there's <laughs> it's, nitrogen it's not bubbles good. Yeah. in your body and you, you yeah. can't do that. Yeah, bubbles belong in the water. So that is the purpose of the hyperbaric chamber in the instance that some of these bubbles don't dissipate and you start to get decompression sickness. They can slap you into this machine and it acts as a decompression for your body so you can kind of ease out of it. You know, I feel like you nailed that description. I don't think we're going to get any backlash. I hope not, because I think that that was pretty spot on, yep. as far as I know. Also, if that was spot on, uh, start a cult at gmail.com, let us know. Absolutely. Um, but, so, okay, so you have to understand that these guys did not get any time to decompress. So all seven of them are going to have these nitrogen full bubbles. Full of nitrogen bubbles. In their body. Um, four of them were saved. Three of them did not make it because of this very reason. They just... You have to do it immediately, which I didn't realize. Like, it's not, you can't just get up and be like, I'm going to walk it off a little bit and see if it gets better. Because if you try to do that, you'll die. Yeah. Like, it, it needs to be done ASAP, you have like, to right on. Slowly acclimate to the, the atmosphere you're coming back to. Like, well, I know this is really off topic, 
But uh, wasn't it like one of the first astronauts, like Neil Armstrong or some shit? Didn't he like break his leg the first step he took off of the spaceship? I think so. because I he was just like he was so used to zero gravity and like the environment he was in. I I remember reading uh, one of the people that was on the International Space Station like when they came down they needed to go to physical therapy to like learn how to walk because their muscles had atrophied so bad yeah. from not That's walking. why they got all those like exercise machines they strap you into now. Yeah, so like there there there's definite issues you have to deal with when changing pressures. Yeah. And much like in Lake Bacall. If you couldn't tell, uh, these people definitely had a massive change in pressure. Yeah, let's get back to that. We've just been talking about this pressure thing. There was a flash of light, and they were just shot out of water. Yes. Were, were they trying to fish with dynamite no. or something? Like, what's going on? There was nothing. There's dynamite and nets. This is, it's, it's just Looney Tunes. There, there is no explanation for how this can happen. Mostly because uh, it it literally cannot be replicated in any way, shape, or form. Uh, that is just not how physics works for us. I was going to say, dude, can you imagine dying because of an anomaly in physics? Right. That would be so interesting. And it's I'm, it's funny you bring that up, like dynamite, because when people, uh, if you've ever seen like the dynamite fishermen, uh, I know people have a lot of issues with that, and uh, you know that's fine. But it's very alarming. Um. The fish typically do not fly out 10 meters uh, above the water. Nine times out of ten, they don't even get out of the water. They just kind of... They surface. Yeah, they slowly rise. And that's that's where I question. Now, before I finish, I do want to mention that, uh, for those of you familiar with diving, apparently, I didn't know this, um, when diving, there is a uh, there's a certain name for it that I don't know. But when you are introduced to a lot of nitrogen, like you are when you're diving, nitrogen and oxygen, it can give you a sort of drunken effect. It'll make you feel like lightheaded and kind of goofy and just ooh, ooh. because of the pressure change. You're off the nitro. That's what I'm going to call it. Now, some people have said that perhaps these divers were suffering from that, and that could explain what they saw. I am going to tell you that even after maybe two hours of just reading about how diving works and listening to interviews with people who do this professionally, there uh, there's no hallucinatory side effects from anything like that. And, yeah, and for seven separate people right. to confirm the same thing. And it's strange to me because I know people out there, especially people that aren't familiar with being drunk or hallucinating on some type of drug or something, there's a big, big, big difference between having a buzzed slash drunk feeling as opposed to full-blown hallucinations. Yes. You do not hallucinate. There is very much a difference. Even even at your drunkest state, you will not hallucinate. You might remember things incorrectly, but you will not see things that are not there. Usually, yeah. If anything, it makes it harder to see. And I'm not saying that these people were drunk, because that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying the effects of this uh, pressure change that they feel, it's compared to a drunkenness, because you might get dizzy, lightheaded, and kind of lightweight. You feel lightweight, you know, you're kind of yeah. carefree. But there, there's no hallucinatory side effect to diving. So... That eliminates the whole, well, they must have been making this up, or they saw yeah. something they didn't see. That is not the case. Um, nobody has ever reported seeing these swimmers again. However, however... Like, by swimmers, you mean the things that they saw? Yeah, yeah. That's, gotcha. The, the, like, 10-foot-long humanoid yeah. fishies? Um, yeah, for the sake of everywhere on the internet and around the globe, they are... Typically referred to as the Lake Baikal swimmers or silver swimmers. That's kind of nice. Uh, they, they've never really been given a classification because it was just one sighting. So nobody really knows what to call it or what to do about them. Yeah. Um, but there were people that had supposedly in the area heard uh, like certain crash. And then there was even one report where somebody 
a completely separate eyewitness from this account said that they saw somebody in diving equipment flying through the air. <laughs> so, That's fucking... it was corroborated. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I saw a diver. He was flying. It's like, you didn't tell anyone about this? No, I didn't <laughs> think like, it was a big deal. No, I just wanted somebody to ask, you know? How about you approach me for once? But you might be asking, where did this story come from? Is this just some guy sitting in his house writing a story? No! <laughs> well, maybe after, but it was a witness. This is a declassified, now declassified, Soviet-era document. This is written by the Soviet version of the Navy, the military out there in, the, in Russia. Wow. This is a real thing. They tried to study it. They tried to... Research it and get all the information they could on it. They could not find a goddamn thing about it. What year did you say this was? 82? 1982. 82. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Very strange. And... Pretty much since then, everyone's been like, maybe we shouldn't go swimming in Lake Bacall. No, I'd have to agree. But uh, yeah, so that is the story of the Silver Swimmers. And there's a lot of interesting things to kind of take from that. First off, the humanoid the humanoid figure. That's what always pulls me in. When anything is humanoid or described as a humanoid, I'm automatically intrigued. Dude, this is just so unique because I've never really heard a lot of these I never. I don't think I've ever heard a story about like a humanoid figure that's larger than an actual human living in the water. Right. It's weird. And outside of mermaids, and those aren't real. The History Channel just wants us to think they are. Mm-hmm. But this remember, is fucking crazy. Do you guys? I the only reason I remember this is because I was totally duped by it. And I'm are not you about even to talk about that like to admit it. hour and a half documentary on mermaids and, and it they was like fake? gave they gave like scientific evidence and shit and they had like a whole storyline yeah and then History Channel came out and was like no it was a it was a it mockumentary was, we t- it was a mockumentary we took a couple of uh, you know artistic uh, leaps I w- there I was outraged I remember watching that with I remember watching it that's for I, wa- sure. I think I watched it with Mitch and Georgie and we were all just like. Holy shit, this is There cool. are mermaids. Like, it was like, right when it came out, too, like, we were all so hyped. We were like, this is actually, like, really interesting. Dude. And then, like, yeah, a couple weeks later, we were, like, reading about it, or I was trying to, like, look into it. And I, I came across, I think it was, like, either the Wikipedia page or the IMDb page. And it was, like, uh, you know, critically acclaimed mockumentary. And I was like, what? 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 <laughs> what did you say? And then, yeah, I was like reading about it, and they're like, yeah, it was totally fake. The doctors weren't actually doctors. It was like, what? Like, you just <laughs> did this? You guys are douchebags. You put doctor and then his name on the bottom of the screen when he told me mermaids were real. I was, oh, you I was bastards. so outraged. But, yeah, this is, uh, it is yeah. very different because they're not, they're not fish-shaped. They're human. They have... Arms and legs, uh, and they're ten feet fucking long because they're in the water. Yeah, they're they're very enormous and they're speedy. They're faster. Thirty than, miles an hour? Are you kidding me? They're faster than your average boat. Okay, they'll definitely outrace a pontoon for sure. I promise. Oh you. yeah, pontoons has no chance. But I the reason this story is so interesting is because it's kind of made its rounds. You know, like it's not it's not really a secret story i mean people that are interested in lake bacall or have visited there are extremely aware of the story because it it draws people in you know it's like yeah this is a government document that talks about some weird shit that happened here not that long ago yeah when you look I mean, at it maybe poot uh declassified it to up some tourism hmm. Hmm. maybe i don't know i know the uh was it the Trans-Siberian Railway? Uh, if you're ever on that, you will pass Lake Bacall because it goes past it, so you'll be able to see it from the window and wave. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you can, like, stop. or any, I don't really know how that works. I can't stop a train. But I do know that if you were ever on that, you'll be able to see it. Um, it and really, I mean, that's when it comes to Lake Bacall, there's hundreds of different stories out there. Uh, the swimmers are my personal favorite, just because it's crazy. Yeah. I like the swimmers. I, I didn't uh, come across that. I just came across uh, Lake Monster Man, 
the I, the ritual boy. The fact that real people died because of that. No, yeah, that's is even crazy. That's kind of insane. But yeah, so Lake Bacall. Lake Bacall um, over there in Russia. It's it's nuts. It's everything you could want in a lake and more. I argue that you have never seen a cooler lake ever. Because no. you just haven't. It's a crescent shape. It grows. It's got seals. It's got monsters. Now, I think it's safe to say, um, I, I do want to put this in here just for our our folks out there that are you know uh, worried about the ecosystem and things of that nature. Um, Lake Bacall is extremely polluted as of right now. Um, oh, yeah, a lot of uh, bottled water companies or something. Roughly 30% of the lake's water is now undrinkable. Um, so that's what? a big dent in our fresh water supply. Is it all, like, mixed together? Because that's just how a liquid works. So wouldn't that make it just poisonous to a degree? <laughs> Maybe to a degree. I'm we need not those sure. life straws from Jimmy Carter. Yeah, but um, there was a paper mill that was built on the lake. Um, that I mean, back in the day, this was before we had a lot of those things in place to protect the ecosystem and things of that nature. Uh, they converted, uh, or not converted. Sorry, they polluted quite a bit uh, without knowing. I would say, and then now there's a lot of backhanded government things that go on and corruption that lead to the lake not really being cleaned because it's just kind of easier to dump things there, you know? It's definitely easier to not do stuff yeah. as opposed to doing things. So as of right now, it is uh, it is not doing too great. Uh, I, I have hopes that it will turn around eventually. Yeah, I mean, um, that's a lot of water. That's, it is a UNESCO a of... World Heritage Site, so I would imagine at a certain point they can step in and be like, uh... You gotta stop. Yeah, you're ruining you this gotta quit it. heritage site, so yeah. what's wrong with you? But, you know, I, I know that that's not really relevant to the story, but if you're... It you is know, gonna be bad if we don't do something. I don't know what to do, but now everyone knows. Yeah, I don't have the answer either, but what I do have is uh, the knowledge that that actually happens. Yeah. So, we're all aware of this now. We're all friends here. And uh, with that being said, that's effectively our episode for this week. Yeah, if you don't want to save the lake for the water, save it for the NERPA. Oh, that's a good point. All right, the NERPA are adorable. Look them up. And the silver swimmers. We'll post swimmers. a picture of the NERPA and the silver swimmers. What the hell are they? They can defy physics. Why would we want to get rid of them? them. We're killing them. We're killing them, even though they killed us. That's not the point. All right? Lake Bacall, Russia. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool fucking place. Yeah, it is. It seems to me. It is very, it's a very interesting place uh, without the weirdness, uh, like, mentioned at all. And when you add in the weirdness, it's even more cool to kind of just think about, like, oh, it's a nice place. It's got land you can't look at. They're sending cows out there. It's crazy. Yeah, so it is an interesting little gibby-gab of a place, you know? Gibby-gab. <laughs> but, with all that being said... That's probably the episode, isn't it? We will be back yeah. next week with a hot new episode for you, as always. It's going to be great. It's going to be Friday. It's going to be great. I hope you guys have a great first week of the month of May 2021. Oh, my God. Um... Yeah, supposedly May flowers are supposed to happen, so we'll see if that occurs. We've been getting some showers. Yeah, well, that we have. We'll get, maybe we'll get the flowers coming in next. Um, but yeah, we will see you guys next week on uh, the interweb. Yeah, this show, this one. And if you just can't get enough of our interesting conversations, or maybe maybe you just like us, you're just like, these guys are really nice, fun It's people. me, Jake, and that's Grant. Definitely check cool. out our Patreon. Yeah. There will be a link below for you to follow if you'd like to join. You're right. You're We're right. Not, you know, it's not that much. We're not asking for your life savings. You know, maybe five bucks a month, you get all access to the show. You get all the cool details that we talk about on Patreon. We have a good time. Yeah. And you even get a shirt. There's so, some episodes on there with us reading original stories we wrote. There's poems. But then it just... It's just more of this, where we just talk about stuff we like. 
Yeah. You know, you we really, got everything on there. You really get a deeper dive into Jake and I as people and not hosts of a show. Yeah. So it's yeah. a good time. Um, and we, you know, definitely, definitely reach out, email us, join us on Patreon, and uh, check us out every Friday. Yeah. Yeah, dude. We got we got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We got all those things. We also have the email, which I mentioned probably like three times before. It's startercult at gmail.com. Tell us anything that you want to say. It's true. You just email us. It's easy. Do it. And then like you said, Patreon link below. We love you all and we have do. a great, great, great week. All right? Yes. Bye Bananas. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.